G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. Good day, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Footyology Podcast preview round three edition and a big round three it's turned into already. Uh, very good morning to my co-host, Mark Fine. How are you, Fine? Oh, better than I've been the last couple of days. If I sound a bit crook, I'm getting less crook and always, you know what, footy had always been the best medicine for me when, as a kid. Amazing how I was very ill on a Thursday, completely well by Saturday when footy was around. What about when St Kilda were getting pumped every that week? That didn't matter. Oh, really? Didn't matter. The f- weekend watching footy and playing footy okay. could cure all ills. Now, what's wrong with you very quickly? Oh, well, I had, I think, the flu, hot, cold, sweating, oh, terrific. etc. Okay, as he moves further away from yeah. the other microphone. But that... that those flushes are gone, so let's get into it. All right. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, we could just sit here shooting the breeze, but uh, let's not waste any time. Let's get into it. On Footyology, Newsfeed. Newsfeed breaking exclusive as revealed exclusively on Footyology. And all good feeds start at 144 Bridport's, you know where? Bridport Street, Albert, Albert Park. Park. Andrew's Hamburgers. Of course. I just had one on the way here, even 80, though they're not open. 80 years of hamburger excellence. And real hamburgers, funny. Not not those, you know, chain, big, uh, massive corporation hamburgers. These are made with the love and, and tender care that you'd expect of a, um, a smaller franchise. Yeah, and no sriracha. No what? Exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, that hot sauce, sriracha. Oh, Okay. Um, all right, let's get into it. Uh, news agenda. Well, there's nothing massive this week. There's a few stories bubbling around. There's a couple that sort of fall under the Media Watch banner, which we'll get into in that segment. Uh, for me, probably the most important story of this week, the retirement of uh, Western Bulldogs Premiership hero, Liam Picken. Yeah, fantastic player. And sadly, the concussion plague that is, and really we are getting into big numbers here in the AFL, has claimed Liam and it claimed him slowly and carefully. We've probably known for about a year, even maybe more. Well, the the thing that sort of initially caused him to take the layoff was a JLT game they played against Hawthorne at the start of last year. So... Um yeah, I mean, it's been a, a long layoff, and I, I guess they've sort of been waiting for the symptoms to ease, and uh, clearly they haven't. Um, and it's sad because uh, actually there was some really interesting stuff with this. His wife, Annie, Annie Nolan, who's a real character in her own right, um, she published a lovely little tribute to him via social media, and it was like her 10. I think it was 10, uh, fondest memories of his career. And they weren't all the obvious things. There were sort of moments in games that you sort of went, oh, yeah, that, you know, like, and it was, uh, 
It sort of gave you a bit of an insight into what the partners of players go through and how they see things from a different perspective. But I, I remember watching the JLT game against Hawthorne when he got knocked out, and it was a particularly nasty one. And he'd copped a few before, obviously. And, um, you know, this is an area that's going to... It's not going away. It's going to become more and more... Uh, controversial, I think. There's another case we'll talk about in a minute. But just on Picken, what I've loved about his career is that for probably 80% of it, maybe 90% of it, he was seen as a very, um, you know, dour sort of run with tagger, shut down opposition, not particularly talented himself. And then Luke Beveridge made one of the more inspired coaching moves I've seen, which was he basically put him out to a wing. Um, that Was it the first season? Yeah, it was the first season Beveridge was in charge, so 2015. And he started picking up 30-plus touches every week, and then people sort of realised, hey, this guy can actually play. And then by the time they won the flag the next year, um, he was the player of that final series, and he was a, a super effective smaller forward. It was a career less obvious, wasn't it, from... The time that he was not even considered by Collingwood under the father-son, because his father, of course, was an iconic Collingwood footballer, through to the way he made it onto an AFL list was, I think, a special program through Williamstown, where Williamstown actually played. Picken was not part of the Western Bulldogs, but he was sort of earmarked. And I think it might be a similar route that Matthew Boyd followed, and that earned him a position with the Western Bulldogs. And again, less obvious because a lot of players play their career and then towards the end of their career are given a, an accountable role, a run with role, as they're seen to become less effective at getting the ball. But as you pointed out, he went in reverse and played most of his career as an accountable player. And then, at you know, the most unlikely Indian summer, he finished off with really not only possessions but scoreboard presence. I mean, those to me are the moves that sort of define uh, coaches as well. You know, someone who, who, you know, a shift of role for someone and it's not an obvious one. It's it's probably one of the the changes you'd least think of and and then when it, it works you sort of think, well, the coach has seen something that previous coaches haven't. I wonder how many other players in the AFL could fit into that sort of category. We, we've typecast them as particular sorts of players, and then, yeah. but given another role. I mean, Magic Dor was sort of going that way, wasn't he? He was seen as either a forward or a ruckman. Yes. That moved down to defence last season, uh, you know, looked like it was inspired as well. I, I really like those stories when a player sort of taps into qualities you didn't know they had. It's interesting because there's a player at St Kilda who just happens to be the captain, who I think is a bit typecast as a defender, it was sort of run with defender, but mainly back of the ball. Mm. And I think he gets enough of it and gets it well. Jaron Geary. To... M- Add to St Kilda's, you know, St Kilda are crying for midfield depth, mm. and I reckon he should make a permanent move into the midfield. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I sort of, yeah, I mean, I've always sort of typecast him as that. Again, it's that sort of dour, scrappy, yeah, um, you know, uh, do what it takes sort of role player, and maybe being captain sort of um, 
strengthens that stereotype as well. Um, so, yeah, look, hats off to Liam Picken. Fantastic career and um, uh, unlike his old man, uh, you know, who was a much-fated player and played in a lot of losing grand finals, this guy played in one for one um, and and thoroughly deserved. Just on the concussion front, um, it's not the only story that emerged during the week. The former Adelaide player, Sam Shaw, um, suing... Is he suing the club or the AFL? Yeah, I believe he's suing the club for medical expenses, yeah. doctors, fees, etc. And interestingly, it's been noted that when he completed his career with Adelaide, he was at pains to point out how good the club had been and mm. how well he had been supported medically. So I guess there have been extra expenses and he's looking to recoup those. So was the implication, I read that, was the implication there that that could damage his claim, the fact that he was so, um, you know, glowing about the treatment he got from the doctors? I don't know whether that, I don't think it was the implication in the in the in the article that I read, rather that it maybe um, it's a reminder that the club at the time did everything that they could for the player. And, and but the longer we, the, as each day passes, we're finding out exactly what the not only affects to a footballer, but affects to a, a the footballer post his football life, how how long standing and how debilitating concussion can be. So mm. the duty of care, I think, doesn't end the day the footballer walks out the door. No, no. And, and there was, I mean, if you are interested in this, and I think I mentioned this previously, but there was a, a great piece by uh, Conrad Marshall of Fairfax written in Good Weekend magazine about the whole concussion, um, uh, what's the word, brouhaha or looming brouhaha. I love that word. And, uh, you know, the big ticket items here are the ones we have all heard about now. You know, John Barnes, uh, Greg Williams, um, John Platten, I think Dean Kemp um, had some issues. Um, who's the, Oh, Sean Smith played for Melbourne, um, yep. took the mark of the century. They, they've all had ongoing issues post-footy um, career, which... Um, the interesting thing about that piece, Finey, was, that, was the extent of conflicting views from medical people. Um, now, there's a guy, former Collingwood doctor, who I think sort of heads up the AFL, is it Task Force, or the, the guys that sort of talk about the concussion stuff, Paul McCrory. And he's very, I think the tone of this piece was, he seemed to be quite old school about it, and he is quite, oh, I've got to watch my language here, but he's not as convinced that the effects of concussion are this sort of long-lasting post-career. And I think there seems to be a view among some people that the AFL aren't necessarily taking it as seriously as they should. And there's been conflicting sort of views in American sport too, and that caused the NFL all sorts of grief. Yeah, look, I've read articles and I've in fact spoken with people that are expert in the field and you know what when there is a lack of certainty about exactly what the effects of concussion are don't we defer shouldn't we defer to a more conservative approach and assume that it is serious i would have thought so you know take the not take the 
blue sky approach that it may not be as long lasting or as debilitating as being portrayed and actually go the other way and take it very seriously because you know what we are talking about young men rolling into the rest of their lives health we're not just talking about money here we're not just talking about reputation money and duty of care we're actually talking about people's lives and their quality of life yeah oh no i couldn't agree more but clearly the money is a huge deal here because can you imagine the extent of the the payout were there be uh, were there to be sort of a definitive judgment that you know all these players had sort of suffered in their quality of life because of football injuries i mean the afl would be um packing themselves about it. Yeah, sure, but just have a look at the experience of Dow Corning with breast implants. By putting your head in the sand, by pretending it's not as serious as it is, doesn't, in the end, save you from Judgment Day. Mm. It, there will be there will be a, a day, not in the hands of the AFL, but in the hands of the courts, through medical experts, when a verdict will be handed down and the AFL may as well be proactive now because having their own people downplay it won't help the final outcome. It yeah. doesn't help the final decision. No, very, very good point. All right, last one before we move on. Um, interesting, not little, but interesting story about another AFL club banning the use of mobile phones uh, from their players. And we're, now, you know a bit more about this than I do. When are they talking about here and who are we talking about? We're talking about the Giants. Right. We're talking about a apparently Dawson-Simpson instigated initiative. Port Adelaide have already banned handheld devices. Now, when, when, when are they banned? From the start. They are banned by Port Adelaide in the rooms after the games. Only after? What about before? I'm assuming in the rooms. Mm, Okay. But definitely, and look, part of the reason that they are, clubs are looking at banning them is because of not just the disconnect between players, because the GWS initiative is on the players, on on the team bus, uh, also on, obviously, in the airport, at the airport, Mm. heading interstate, Mm. and in the rooms after the games. And Dawson Simpson has suggested that players are not bonding. The team will be more of a unit, spend more. He remembers a time when they were less important and felt that at his time at Geelong, you know, that there was a lot of bonding done on the team bus Mm. and that GWS youngsters are missing out on that opportunity. Because, what, they're on the bus and everyone's just buried in their phones. Correct, everybody's in their phones. So it is very much a... I believe, initiative for team bonding. But there is also... Do you think that it should extend to the recording of podcasts, finally? Not necessarily. So you've got the team bonding element, but there's also, I think, greater concern from clubs that... Sorry, what was that? I was just checking my Instagram. Exactly. You see? Yeah, no, What no, are they I, saying about us? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the Instagram doesn't say anything about anything. It's just a forum where you just post shots. Pictures. Of, yeah, or, or, you know, you've bought a coffee on your way to work, so you take a shot of your coffee. And you know what I find with Instagram? A lot of people Instagram very shallow. pictures of themselves at the beach or, you know, doing great things, and they send it to their friends. Yeah. Is Instagram's sole purpose to make people, you know, jealous of your life? Because uh, it, it seems to be people... 
portraying themselves in some Hollywood lifestyle and sending it to their friends at work. Yeah, well, what I've noticed with it is, like, it's definitely my least favourite of the social media platforms. Now, on Twitter, you can really sort of engage in a debate or a shouting match usually or something. But on Instagram, you know, you can write something quite considered to go with your picture and you'll get, you might get, or not me, but I've seen things, like Buddy Franklin post something and there'll be, you know, 38,000 likes and two comments. It's sort of like if you use Instagram, you can't be bothered actually writing anything, which is where I'll give our bloke his due. He's been banging away at that keyboard for five minutes at least. He's running a book. Uh, so the other thing is that clubs are concerned about... Sorry, the- we're talking about Carl Bianco, our master producer and and, um, and uh, jack of all trades. Good, good book, Carl. How's, what chapter are you up to? All right, come on, let's go. <laughs> the, I, I was saying that part of the ban on mobile devices, I think, is uh, club-inspired because they're very concerned about players responding to negative feedback in a negative way, that it can really, for some, for, for some individuals, mm. be very morale-sapping to the point of you know, sending them into spirals of depression. Yeah, so yeah. they want them to We're stay. Aw- they want them to stay away from vox populized comments on their every move. Yep. No. No. Fair enough. Good point. And um, perhaps we should consider that option too. He said as he just got halfway through another tweet. Uh, all right. That's enough news for this week. Let's get on with it. On Footyology Media Watch. Oh yeah. Media Watch on Footyology. The uh, I'm playing the uh, Paul Barry role here. Uh, do you watch Media Watch on the ABC? Sometimes when it falls, it's sort of I don't look for it. It finds me occasionally. I do. It's about the one thing on free to air TV these days. I I never fail to watch. I, I find I'm often a bit underwhelmed with it these days, but occasionally they'll, they'll absolutely nail it. Um, I, li- I like the voices they. Oh, when, when they for, read people yeah. out. Do you know, I was nearly on it a couple of weeks ago. They, um, funny story about how one newspaper attempted to sell my house from under me. And um, I had a bit of a uh, um, an explanation of that on Twitter. Anyway, someone from Media Watch contacted me and they were going to, uh, they were going to do something on it and they got a quote from me and everything. And then, uh, well, I shouldn't laugh, but the Christchurch tragedy happened and they devoted... The show to that quite rightly instead. But I, well, I must admit, Fanny, I was really looking forward to having someone read a quote from me and see how they'd do yeah. my voice. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Oh, <laughs> what if it was a little sort of pissy, you know, sort of... <laughs> <laughs> I reckon. Anyway, all right, let's talk... Uh, I've, got, I've got a big complaint to you about Media Watch, but we can leave that to the end. No, no, go on. Well, didn't you last week pump up the tyres of a, another podcast? Yeah, it did. Well, that podcast was like number three. <laughs> oh, was it? Yeah, it was enormous. Um, that is, uh, I've just forgotten what it's called. What's it called? Um, Mark McGowan of the AFL. Uh, Trends, that's it. Yeah, it flew. Yeah. Yeah, very popular. Oh, well, they're good at promoting and stuff. It is It is good. I'll li- and in fact, I listened to the second episode last night, and, and he was talking to St Kilda analyst Darren O'Shaughnessy. Yep. Uh, and that was yeah, it's really interesting stuff. I mean, it's it's obviously for hardcore footy fans, but there are that many footy podcasts out there now. Um, Finally, it's it's a job sort of you know sorting through the 
the wheat and the chaff and whatever. But anyway, let's drill down on Media Watch. We didn't talk about this. Now, this happened post last Thursday, and we didn't talk about it on Sunday's review because it wasn't the right forum. We left it to this one. Um, I think people are just about over it by now, so we won't go on and on about it. But uh, what did you make of the Eddie Maguire incident? And well, I'm not going to explain it again. Everyone knows Everybody what understands what happened. Yeah. And I felt that whilst it was another occasion in which Eddie, a professional broadcaster with decades of experience, should have a filter, that he quickly pulled himself up. Now, he's very clever, Eddie. He knows how the media works. And you don't want these things left to trial by talkback or trial by social media, and you certainly don't want a trial by your op- opposition. So he quickly banned himself from calling the Saturday game that he was supposed to call for Fox. I think that was St Kilda Essendon. Mm. Thereby not only apologising, but imposing a penalty upon himself so everybody could move on fairly quickly rather than leave it to the court of public opinion to decide what should be done with Eddie Maguire. That being said, it certainly was not intended to be a slur at, um, is it? Cynthia Bannum. Bannum. Yeah. And I think he was, you know, suitably um, horrified when he found out who it was, but that didn't absolve him. He cops a bit, and then I think he copped a bit too much. I don't think that Andrew Pridham from the Sydney Swans mm. is correct in feeling that it is Sydney that is the direct and intentional uh, target of Eddie. No, well, he subsequently backed away from his initial comments. Yep. So it's like everyone got a bit hot under the collar. Can Except I just... Caroline. She didn't back away. No, well, that's... But then again, I read her piece, mm. and it wasn't quite as brutal as the headline. She simply suggested that Got he... Got a pretty decent run, didn't I? She suggested he donate some money to a, a charity that um, Miss... Is it Mrs. or Miss? Uh, uh, anyway, Cynthia Bannum. Bannum. I keep saying Burnham, but Bannum, um, of her choice. And I'm sure that she has some very um, worthy charities that she's associated with. I went from being initially so I was a bit like Eddie. I was sort of half watching it, and I I didn't know. I know Cynthia Bannum is. I I know her. Well, I'm presuming they're still together. Her partner Michael Harvey was a political or is a journo, and was a political reporter on the old Evening Herald. You know, I've known Mick for thirty five years. Lovely guy, and uh, I remember reading about what happened with Cynthia in that pl- horrible plane crash, and. Um, but I, I didn't twig that it was her, and I didn't, because I was half looking like Eddie was, I didn't sort of see the walking stick. What I did think initially when, when he sort of went on about finding people that toss a coin badly, I thought, eh, it's not, that's not that funny, Ed. Why have you got to be in your, your bonnet about that? And then when I got on Twitter and I saw that it was her, I thought, oh, no, you've done it again, Ed. And I, I was sort of reasonably sympathetic. But then when he, the initial apology, when he said, now, I wasn't talking about Cynthia Bannon, well... You weren't directly, Ed, but she was the trigger for you to talk about it. So you actually were referring. I, I just thought he stuffed up the first apology. And um, if he had a sort of nailed that, it, it might have gone away a lot quicker. And it looked like he was sort of trying to 
in funnily enough, in apologising, sort of looked like he was trying to escape the blame. It's, it seems like every Eddie apology we we have to go through. You know, the first apology, the second apology, the third apology. But I agree with you that sort of after you know the pile on sort of continued, and it's sort of like people are waiting with the baseball bats to go bang, bang, bang. And you know, I th- found that. Um, and and really, you know, in the at the end of it. Um, you know, we spent three days, and and as you say, like Caro was still writing stuff for the Age. You know, four, three, four days later, we've got more important things to do, haven't we? Yeah, depends whether or not you embrace the game or you embrace stories around the game. Now, for my, for me, this was terrible. It's a mea culpa. You see, I had not seen the incident, and I had not seen the game. At the toss before the game. So I didn't know anything about this um, Sydney Eddie Bruhaha. I only read a headline, I think off afl.com.au or maybe just off one of my news feeds. And then that's all I had in terms of knowledge. And do you know what that news feed headline read? What? Eddie in hot water over. Double amputee coin toss slur. And I had no idea who was involved. And I immediately assumed it was a double amputee, somebody that had no arms. Now, I'm sorry, that's what I thought. Well, how would they have tossed the coin Well, there with are, their feet? I'm sure there are ways. And I thought, oh, my God, he couldn't be that insensitive, could he? And then Well, no. I, <laughs> no, he, he couldn't. And, and in fact, actually, you. you but when I read it, I really didn't think of legs. I thought of arms. But you've just you've touched on this. I, I read the. I think it was in the See, Herald Sun. I'm, I'm shocking, aren't I? Um, no, no. I, I don't know. I just that's what I thought. Yeah, I can't of. understand why that happened. But I was read the Herald Sun, one of the Herald Sun multitude of Herald Sun stories about it. The readers' comments, and there became this lengthy debate between the the readers commenting about the capacity of a person with um, handicapped with their legs to toss a coin. All those people going, well, you know, she lost her legs, she didn't lose her arms, you know. And I thought, oh, my God, please, you know. Like, enough. There's no sense of perspective with these sorts of stories. It's sort of like... There was nothing wrong with the coin toss, by the way. They didn't have to redo it. No. And I saw a bat flip in the Big Bash that was... We took out a camera crew. And, uh, yeah, that's right. That, and that's what he was getting at. Oh, he just needs to, yeah. I mean, one, you need to look in, and two, you need to sort of just stop and think for half a second before you shoot your mouth off. All right, let's not spend too much time on it. <laughs> I did want to touch on this one, um, the James Hurd coaching rumours. Now, I've seen some reasonably sort of, decent examples of kite flying in my time, but this one was up there with the, with the, the highest. I mean, like, so James Hurd came back to the commentary box for Triple M as a special comments bloke for the Essendon St Kilda game, and Essendon lose a game that, you know, weren't expected to lose, and, and the there were several people in the media trying to make two and two add up to 68 with this story. Well, Tom Brown came straight in after the game and said, the big story in the wash-up from the games, and I've been speaking to people at Essendon with some influence, is that John Worsfold does not have the full support of everybody at Essendon. Now, what that means, 
that's you know that that is such an open-ended comment. That- oh, and also you, you could go to half the clubs in the AFL right now and say feasibly the same thing because one person at club says, yeah, of course. "Oh, yeah, of course." What's support? How how um, forthright do you need to be in declaring your support for somebody before a, a sort of mischievous journalist says that he doesn't have the full support? <laughs> you can really turn that into whatever you want. And, yeah, and then this really strange comment by Tom Brown, and he says, and the right people were listening to James Heard on Triple M today, uh, this this evening, because it was a Twilight game, and were very impressed by his special comments. Now, do not rule out a return to the coaching role, senior coaching role at Essendon by James Heard. He impressed today, and there is certainly a a feeling amongst certain people at Essendon that John Worsfold is not the man to take the club going forward. Right, so thinking about a new coach... Who was listening to Triple M? Who who of importance at Essendon was listening to Triple M and not concentrating on the game? But what a ridiculous concept that... Hang on, I'm listening to Triple M. Like you make some decent comments on a game and that that sort of qualifies you for a a coaching role. Well, I mean... For Triple M, you know, I mean, I like the way they call football, but it is interlaced with a certain irreverence. (laughs) <laughs> I just wonder how all that worked It out. wasn't just Tom Brown, though. Like, Robbo, Mark Robinson sort of picked this up and ran with it. Well, Robbo and James Heard are, are unionised. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they're sort of best buddies. Well, through the Asada affair, yeah, they, but they, they, were... they, battered, they battered at the crease together whilst Caro battered with Andrew. Yeah. Um, and Patrick just battered himself. John, John Worsfold was um, particularly sort of dismissive of it when it was brought up to him, wasn't it? So he should be. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd, I, I would have been pretty pissed off if I was him and someone brought that up. I mean, we're two games in, for God's sake, you know? He really, if he was a good coach, McDonald, Tip and Woody wouldn't have dropped that mark. I mean, how could you... Essendon was so way down on confidence and they just... You know, in a funk, and mm. probably better now than at the end of the year. Get out of it, beat Melbourne, and roll on. Well, right at the moment, it's sort of quite reminiscent of the start of last season. And I actually, I've written a column, um, which is I've posted for Inkle. It's up on Twitter at the moment. But I was talking about the clubs having to make a decision when they're in poor form. Do we think we're not that far off, and and things could turn quickly? and stick with the plan, or is this a sign of a, a more entrenched malaise and do we need to act now? And that was, Essendon did last year, but only after eight games, and it was probably a bit late. And I wonder what they do now, whether they think, oh, we don't want this to go the same way and ruin our finals chances, or we're at... Because you could argue, even in that St Kilda game, that the is second half... Yeah, you're right, it's not... Um, we'll save it for when we talk about Essendon. Yeah, Melbourne. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, the herd thing—it's—it's it's just not—it's not a goer at the moment. And it's sort of people putting two and two together and wanting them to make a number other than four—I I just get a bit tired of it. And Mark McClure 
Oh, uh, that's right. Doubling yeah. down on his claims that Worsfold's not the man for the job. Is that right, though? Did he? I, I haven't heard him this week. He wasn't quoted. Oh, was he? Apparently, apparently he's doubled down. Okay. That's easy to do. Does he... All right, so he's doubled down. Does he lose his whole bet if they beat Melbourne? <laughs> yeah. When you say double down, I think of that very short-lived KFC experiment where they had the chicken, um, they had the sort of stuff inside the burger between two, two fillets, chicken fillets. fillets yeah. And I actually went and tried it because I thought, this is so gross. I've got to just taste yeah. it. And it actually wasn't that bad. <laughs> 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 um, all right, just, <laughs> let's just finish. Nowhere near as good as Andrew's Burgers. Of 144 Bridport Street. Of Apple course Park. not. Um, they wouldn't be so so um, crass. <laughs> um, so Connolly. Yeah. All right, I'll finish off. I'm not going to do this every week, but another great little sketch on the front bar last night. So they had Ross Glendinning as their guest, and they dug out this footage of the 1980 night grand final, the famous thing where North... Uh, Kerry yep. Good marked after the siren and, and Collingwood were going to win and they had it ripped away from them. Uh, anyway, Ross Glendinning won the colour TV for best on the ground and they they dug up this footage which was, uh, I don't know how they got it actually, I, I missed the start of it, but it was the Channel 7 commentators during an ad break talking about who should be best on ground. So Lou goes, oh yeah, I thought uh, Kevin Morris and um, someone else said, I thought Kevin Morris. And then Jack Edwards said, Glenn Dinning. And then I think they asked Doug Wade, and he said Glenn Dinning, so it was a tie. And they had to make a decision, so Lou goes, oh, I'll go for Glenn Dinning then. And so they sort of talked about how Kevin Morris was robbed of the TV and Collingwood was robbed of the game. And, of course, they bought out Kevin Morris. Mm-hmm. And then they bought out the little fawn 22-inch TV, and Ross Glendinning presented the TV That's great. 39 years later to Kevin. And it was... That's excellent. It was, it was really, really funny. And, you know, it's the sort of stuff people like us, and I'm tipping people that listen to this podcast, love. And again, it made me think, whoever is writing the stuff for this show, and I think I know a few of the people, but... Um, you would have to love, really love footy to even be aware of this sort of yeah. stuff, A, right? Sure. But B, people go on about how the front bar hits the right chord or whatever. It's things like that. Now, things like that are real footy head sort of material, aren't they, Fonny? And aren't we constantly hearing or being told ourselves by other people who think they know better in the TV industry that, you know, footy head stuff is too narrow that now it's about entertainment. You have to try and pick up a broader audience. And I think things like this are proof that that is absolute crap because it is sort of a, a real sort of died in the wall footy head banter. Yep. And people, that's what people love about the show. And if you look, you don't, you will pick up a non football audience if, even if your core subject is. Hardcore footy. If everybody's enjoying themselves, yeah. having a laugh, and they're comfortable in their own skins, and, mm. and to that end, look, two weeks in, and I, you know, I know how hard it is to start a new program. May it have been on radio and done things for TV, and you're always nervous, and you hope you get off to a flying start. And there's a program up the guts, and Lawrence Mooney. I've met before. I don't really know him, and I'm sure he doesn't know me, but I've met him. Nice bloke. I don't know who Dino is. No, Dino's a, like a, isn't he a panel a operator, a producer yeah. at Nova or something? So he fits the FM radio criteria. <laughs> There's a real problem with this show, and the problem with this show is that they don't believe it. So they've had a footballer on, they've had 
Robert Murphy and before him they've had Jonathan Brown and it becomes uncomfortable because those players, certainly Robert Murphy was carrying the show a bit and filling in the gaps where there were moments where we're sort of looking at each other, this ain't working and it was uncomfortable. Now, what was that weird thing where where Lawrence, I only saw With it Jared on Twitter? Yeah, Lawrence Mooney walks over to the window. That was okay. It was sort of a no, it, it wasn't. It was an it was sort of a video a video of him imposed as though he was standing outside in the garden. But someone tweeted it to far me. From the, I, far from the worst thing that happened on the program. Really? Far but, from. But what was the actual gag? Like Lawrence Mooney leans out and goes, "Get off my lawn!" And it was sort of like two weak laughs in the audience. I thought, was that? Yeah, yeah. The gag? What? Look, there's just a lot of stuff that didn't work on the program. Generally, in, in like a, program. generally in a comedy program, any jokes that are, are um, pre pre prepared and sort of set for the program, and there were a few, have to be run by a producer, have to be run by other people, and I can't believe that they were allowed to go to air. To be honest, now, hopefully, the first show had more content than the second show. And to give you an idea of how disjointed the program is very quickly, they have a um, sort of an award, a 3-2-1 for the Mr. Mister X or, the you know, the the star of the round. And in round one, it was a, ba- a picture of a baby in the crowd. Mm. Then it was somebody else in the crowd. And then it was something on field. So it was a mix of people in the crowd. Okay. But round two... They were just three straight moments of football. There was no humour in them, which made the whole concept from week one to week two inconsistent and confusing. And that's sort of where the show finds itself. And hopefully it's chock full of content and Lawrence and Dino and whoever joins them are more comfortable presenting it than they were last week because otherwise it shouldn't be on air. Well, I'd be interested to know the rationale for choosing poor old Dino. Well, he's supposed to be, you know, just the footy fan. You know, you're, you're, you're a fan in the crowd. You're average football fan. But so far, he's been quirky at times, but not really funny. And you know what? Someone described him to me as like strop without the funny bits. Look, you can be offbeat and quirky. After you're funny. But when you're quirky, before you're funny, you're just odd. Rightio, that's enough Media Watch for this week. Big round coming up. Let's preview it. On Footyology. Previews with Punch. Rightio, this is a uh, very, very interesting round and critical for some teams. Yep. And, and for some tipsters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How are we going, by the way? 7-Eleven. Have you got the three bits of paper now? Or? Yeah, yeah. 7-Eleven. Seven eleven. What? Yep. Seven. Yeah. You. Eleven. Oh. Me. Really? Yeah. So you got how many last week? Five. Five. You and, four. and I got four. Yeah. 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 It's not good for me. Uh, I'm already beaten. Okay. Uh, now, fine. He's just taken my penny. Don't bend the top. Oh, I'll bend it back the other way. I hate it when people borrow pens and then they chew on them or whatever. It's so rude. No worries, Carl. A bit of paper, please. Let's get into. No, it. Carl's on to chapter five now on his phone. Um, all right, let's get on with it. Yes. Um, all right, Thursday evening, Adelaide and Geelong. And this um, this could be a ripper, actually, because the Crows look like they were back a little bit um, last week in a good win over Sydney, in Sydney. But the Cats 
have probably looked the best side in the competition thus far. I was down there at the Cattery getting rained on for two hours last Saturday night, and they were awesome in disposing of the Demons. 20 goals, six for the game. Um, Adelaide has won, I think, the last three between these teams, but they've all been at Adelaide Oval, so they're only sort of meeting once a season these days. Um, Are you worried? That like a hot dog without sauce, Adelaide without sauce will be nowhere near as good. Yeah, it's an issue. Um, and I, I normally I'd go the Crows, but I, I just think Geelong is red hot at the moment, and I think they're on a big enough roll to win away. So I'm going for the Cats. Yeah, it's an interesting game. No Sam Jacobs, uh, Riley O'Brien playing his third game only ever, but they reckon, you know what, he's been a long apprenticeship, but. He's a big boy, and they have pointed out that his intra-club games against Sauce, I should say, have been close fought. I think they're pumping him up. He'd done better in the intra-club games against Sauce, because Sauce is um, 48 years old now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, who are you tiffy? Um, look, it's a, I'm going to tip Adelaide. I, I, yeah, it, Very sure much enough. based on home ground, and also based on the fact that I was just... Uh, I thought that those crouches, that midfield of theirs, it really is a power-packed, possession-winning midfield. And you know what? Adelaide might have to use their their aces in the midfield more than they want. Okay. Uh, so you're going Adelaide, I'm yes. going Geelong. Melbourne Essendon, speaking of critical games Friday night, they both enter this round three face-off winless uh, Melbourne widely tipped to give the flag a shake and Essendon a popular tip for, at the very least, top eight and maybe uh, considerably more. Uh, who's been less awful across the two weeks? Melbourne. Yeah. You know, Melbourne, even in that lost to Geelong... Had that, a lot of inside 50s. Yeah, and they really dominated the first five to ten minutes of the third quarter. Mm. Couldn't hit the scoreboard in a meaningful way, but Essendon... Their improvement against St Kilda, a far weaker opposition than Geelong, was simply making less fundamental, embarrassing errors, but still enough to keep St Kilda ahead in the game. Essendon were terrible for the whole game last week. Yeah. Um, so you're tipping Melbourne? Yeah, I am. I'm tipping Essendon. And <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, well, you're not scared about going further behind. I think I'm trying to convince... I, I guess my here's my rationale. I don't think Melbourne... I think Melbourne can turn it around a bit more easily than Essendon can, right? Now, this sort of runs contrary to the tip, doesn't it? But yeah, I had a look at the start of last year. You know, Melbourne were two and three after five games, and they had a couple of shocking losses. Essendon were also two and three, but then Melbourne went on a winning run and Essendon lost another three in a row. I'm confident Melbourne can turn it around and to that end, I think this game is more critical for Essendon than Melbourne. Like, if Melbourne lost a third in a row, I don't think Civil War would break out at Jolomont or the Melbourne Club or wherever you talk about Melbourne congregating. Whereas if Essendon lose this one, I think it could really get ugly out at the hangar. So, you know, I disagree. I reckon Essendon have been that poor in the first two games that if Essendon got within three goals... Essendon supporters would say, well, that's better. That's, you know, that's a better effort. I reckon you've gone that badly in the first two weeks mm. that Essendon are now and now could have an, an uh, you know, strike me down for saying it, an honourable defeat. Uh, I, I think you overestimate the um, 
temperament of the the, bi- <laughs> the bile that is being. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, they're they're not happy campers. Also, uh, Melbourne without Stephen May uh, may not have that big an impact given uh, impact given how Essendon's forward line's going. No, look, I fully concede this would be a, an upset, but yeah, I be a great tip if you get it right. It's a hunch. So you're going the demons. I'm going the bombers. Mm-hmm. All right, now this is an interesting one too. Carlton taking on Sydney at Marvel Stadium, one forty-five Saturday afternoon. Now, Sydney, zero from two. Um, Already played at Marvel once, lost to the Bulldogs. Um, Not by heaps, but enough. And pretty flat looking against Adelaide. We both seem to agree that we're worried about them long term. And the Blues, you know, I mean, they're obviously sick of knocking up these honourable losses, but they have been, haven't they? They were, you know, okay against Richmond. And in part, um, in Patches really impressive against Port on on the road, um, so they've been all right. The Blues and I reckon, you know, as you know, Fonny, sometimes when that happens, you know, side goes close a couple of weeks in a row. Um, they can just get the smell of blood or the bloods in the nostrils, and I reckon Carlton. Remember they knocked over Sydney uh, when Sydney started with six losses in a row two years ago. Yep, I can see a repeat of this. I reckon Carlton can sort of smell a bit of blood in the water. and I reckon the, I'm going for the Blues. I reckon the Blues are going to win. Yeah, you know, Carlton backs up well against Sydney. Even a couple of years ago, they played them in Sydney later on in the year and Sydney were flying into the eighth. It had won a number of games in a row. Remember that charge at the eighth they had? And yeah. Carlton almost beat them that afternoon. Well, that was the same season they yeah, did saying, beat them at I'm the MCG. That, that's right. So even though they max up well against them, I feel this. I feel that Buddy is in good touch, but maybe his fitness wasn't matching up to his touch. And now three weeks into the season, I think he's ready to play a a full four-quarter game. And really, that's bad luck for Carlton because he loves playing at Marvel Stadium, even though he's never played there. He's only ever played at Eddie Hatt and the other names. Colonial. But at Docklands, he enjoys it. I think Sydney enjoy playing there. PMG. Almost more than they enjoy playing at the SCG. So I'm going to go for the Sydney Swans. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, so I'm going Carlton, you're going the Swans. Uh, he's an interesting I've match. now worked out how to tip. I'm just the opposite to you. Yeah, well, usually on a winner. Um, GWS taking on Richmond at uh, what was formerly Spotless Stadium and then for a few weeks became Sydney Showgrounds and is now officially... Spotty Stadium. Uh, no, Giants Stadium. Sponsored by the Giants. They're sponsoring themselves. Good on uh, them. Which, when you're bankrolled by the AFL, you can probably <laughs> afford to do. <laughs> do you reckon that's what they did? Um, Dave Matthews, the CEO, just rang up Gil and said, Hey, Gil, we haven't got a sponsor for the ground. Can we call it Giants Stadium? And on that basis, you give us another few million bucks. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, okay. Richmond, in a spot of bother, one and one. Uh, haven't looked overly impressive in either game, to be honest. And of course, now no rants for the year, and now no rewalt for a few weeks. Uh, and still I think no still Hawley. no Hawley. And isn't uh, Grimes out for a week? Uh, yes, he is, of course. He got um, one get, week. Yeah, he got, he got a week. Um, so why on earth am I tipping Richmond? I'm tipping them because I think um, their premiership success was founded on more than individual stars. Um, And I think that they need to restore the faith a bit. Their pressure has been right off. Um, We talked about the tackles last week against Collingwood. I think they only had 30-something for the game. 
Um, and they need to ramp it up a notch, and I just suspect they will. It's not that I don't rate the Giants, but they did go to Perth last week. That can take a toll. They got blown away in the end, too. They sort of came apart at the seams a bit. Josh Kelly coming back for the Giants. So I understand the Giants will be favourites. I just suspect Richmond might um, really lock down and pull out what a couple of years ago we would have said was an inspiring win, but if you're really topside now, these are the games you should win. Yeah, they really need to win this to turn around uh, a ship that's pointing in the wrong direction for many people's pre-season pick to win the flag. Tom Lynch looked good last week, definite improvement on week one. So without Jack Rewalt, he might even have a more clearly defined role in his own mind. So he's a big watch. I think he'll do well. Dustin Martin doesn't look to have the strength or the fitness he did two years ago. And it's now becoming a bit of a concern. Is he a lesser player than he was? Or is he just going through a patch of lesser form? I'm not sure. I'll decide as the football world will, as you will, in a couple of months' time. But he needs to turn it around. I think that lack of grimes with Rance is insurmountable, and I'm tipping GWS. Fair enough. Geez, we've got a few different this week. All right. So uh, far, four from four. Here's, here's another interesting matchup. We might differ on this one as well. At the Gabba, um, Saturday evening, uh, Brisbane taking on Port Adelaide. Of course, the Lions... Uh, terrific two from Zip and uh, two from Zip two from two and Port Adelaide also two from two less impressive against Carlton last week but very impressive against Melbourne in round one with their sort of remodelled more offensive running game um, and I think Brisbane play a bit like that as well uh, when they get on the fly. Um, their two wins have also probably been more impressive really. They bowled over West Coast and. Um, then came back from 20-odd points down against North Melbourne last week. At the Gabba, which you think presents a bit of an advantage, I really agonised over this one. I just think, I wonder if um, Port, uh, sorry, Brisbane's still a very young side, still the second youngest list in the competition and second least experience. They've been so good, people singing their praises a lot. I just wonder if there might be a small let down after their performances of the first two weeks. And I think Kenny Hinkley, I can imagine Kenny Hinkley saying to the Port guys, you know, okay, you were great week one, you know, just a win last week at home against, you know, what's perceived to be an ordinary opposition. Time to really show the way we mean business this season. So only just, but I'm going for Port to win this one. You know, I really felt that they're both sort of due a loss. Not that they've played poorly. They've had a good start to the season, but Brisbane... Uh, steamrolling in a fashion that probably is more ebullient than we thought that they would have been. In other words, I expect the breaks to come on to them eventually. And I thought this week might have been the case. But Port Adelaide, I feel the same way about. I think that the game against Carlton was only just a performance, but it was still the result that they were after. Two from two, the pair of them. I'm going to go for the home team. I'm always reminded when there is a doubt about who wins these games of how these two teams started in the AFL. Oh, yeah. Draw. Uh, first draw, draw. and a, It was draw two points and a draw, I think, or draw four points and a draw. Uh, no, Brisbane won. I, I went to... Oh, was that a draw? No. There were two draws in the first three games. Yeah, and then the third one was decided literally on the siren. Yeah. Up, and I went to that game. It was in 98. 
long, long time ago. And it could be very tight again. So we once again differ. You're going for Port Adelaide. I'm yep. going for the home team. All right. Grand final rematch at the G Saturday evening. Boo there. Um, and it should be, I mean, gee, if it's half as good as the grand final, it'll be a great game. But uh, this really does look like an appetising contest. The Pies, absolutely sensational last week against Richmond. They weren't so great. Well, they lost to Geelong in round one, but um, they looked terrific against the Tigers in every department, really. The defence stood up, the midfield had it all over the Tigers, and they were very potent up forward with uh, Dugowie, five goals. What a class act he is. West Coast, though, um, right. This this sort of comeback win last week over GWS got undersold a bit, I thought. They took GWS apart in the finish. And they they really got it together, and and so you add to that, um, who's coming back? Jamie Cripps, uh, big chance to return. Will Squo, uh, Squo, Schofield, chance to return, and the not inconsiderable addition of Andrew Gaff back from suspension. Collingwood should get Taylor Adams back this week. He's very important for them. Um, but, you know, I think the, the Eagles have been good on the road now for a couple of years. They knocked over the MCG bogey last year, won all three games, including the one that mattered most. Um, it's not nothing against the Pies at all, but I just think I've tipped West Coast to win the flag, uh, and I should show faith in them here to win this game as well. So I'm going for West Coast. This is now becoming ridiculous. <laughs> We're now six games in, and we've gone six different choices. So the upshot... Well, you haven't tipped yet, have well, you? Well, I'm tipping Collingwood. They were right. excellent against Richmond last yeah. week. They are. I've really got They're, they're my win. premiership tip. So, I mean, yeah. I'm, I need to be loyal, you know, honest and true to that call. And I just think that they've got, especially with Mason Cox's reprieve, the, the line-up and basically the structure that they want. Mm. And as long as they maintain that... They're the hardest team in the comp to beat. I tip Collingwood. So the upshot of this round is, given that you're already four ahead of me, I'm either going to be, be back in town or it's all over. Oh, no, we, <laughs> could, we could split it. We could easily split this um, and be where we started. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, three, three apiece. All right. Uh, Western Bulldogs taking on Gold Coast Marvel Stadium Sunday afternoon. Uh, doggies. Uh, again, one of the big... Pluses of the year so far. Looks like they've recaptured a lot of that 2016-type vim and vigour. Um, looked better up forward. I like the way Josh Shackey's coming along. Um, and Gold Coast, you know, let's give them their due. Everyone thought they'd be lucky to win a game. They could have won the They're first one. They're unlucky not to have won both. Correct. Could have won the first one and did win the second one. And um, some real impressive... It hasn't... Alex um, Sexton turned into a good player. Yeah, he's dangerous around goals, boy. And? You, <laughs> I thought you were going to expand on no, that. No, no, he's, he's a real... He certainly lowers the vision. Yeah. When he's around him, he goes for him, but he gets them. I think... Um, Jack, Sha- Shaky had a good go. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned Shaky. Yeah. I think uh, Jack Bowes is starting to show a fair bit for the Gold Coast, too, yeah. in that group of... And the, and the ex-doggy remains their best player. Harbour out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's been a real warrior for him. Yeah, he was fantastic in the end, particularly against um, Frio last week. Okay, who wins, Fanny? Well, I'm going to go for the Western Bulldogs. I really think that they would be delighted with some of their question marks coming into the season. Question mark over the Norton Shackey forward line. Mm. It seems to be working. Norton! One of these days. Question mark over having 
Wallace and Liberatore into that high possession midfield. Mm. Seems to be working. Yeah, Weber's been good. And question marks over what their back line would be able to produce um, with Morris injured and Norton in the forward line. Held up nicely. And also, of course, Adams no longer at the club. Basically, it's Beveridge, again, pulling the right strings as he did in the Premiership year. Not saying it's a Premiership year, but certainly good enough to beat Gold Coast on the weekend. Now, uh, brace yourself. You're going to go for the doggies, aren't you? I am. Good man. (laughs) Uh, All right, Hawthorne, North Melbourne, those famous old rivals of the mid-70s. We remember it well. Uh, These were great games, even on black and white TV when they were very hard to work out. They were. Uh, MCG, Sunday afternoon. Uh, Heats on the ruse. I I must admit, I thought they'd be a lot better than this. Ordinary start by them. Uh, Very underwhelming. Let a four goals odd lead evaporate at home against Brisbane. Taken apart in round one. And what about the Hawks? Gee, they... um, Great win against Adelaide round one. And then they had... The Bulldogs on toast, and uh, yeah, amazing stat in three three hundred and thirty odd games. Alistair Clarkson's coached that thirty point three quarter time lead. It's the biggest lead they've let slip. Interestingly, though, Clarko in the presser said that that they didn't deserve to win. That five, five goal lead at three quarter time was not indicative of how the game was going. Yeah, yeah, no, it's and he's probably spot on to them, and they're obviously right across the sort of trends numbers wise during the game. Yep. Um, and, you know, pivotal had to have been having Burgoyne and Shields off injured and unable to come back on, and uh, they're both out, so they're pretty big losses. And that is pivotal to my selection. Yeah, well, I should stick with the Roos. I mean, I, like, I'm I'm a fan, and I've, I'm quite bullish about them, but I'm not sure they're as good a side on the MCG as uh, Marvel, and I think Hawthorne are particularly good on the MCG. And, yeah, look, Shields and Burgoyne, big losses. It's a good test of their depth, I'll tell you that. Uh, another one that's really hard to pick. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going for the Hawks. I just, I'm just i a bit worried about the Roos at the moment. We diverge once again. Okay. You're going for North? Yeah, look, it's now all, it's now all season stuff for North Melbourne, really. Don't you reckon if they have if they go zero and three? Lose this, yeah. Well, have a look who they've played. Yeah. In fact, I, I did some numbers on this last night. Did I write them down on this page? I don't think I did. Um, so everyone was talking about sides that start two, uh, zip and two. I looked up zip and three. Over the last 10 years, I think there's been 31 or 32 of them, sides that have been zip and three. One of them made finals. Do you, know, you remember which one? Zip and three in the last... Uh, since 2007. Um, no. I'm, Sydney, I'm th- two years ago. Oh, they lost six in a row. Yeah, you're right, of course. So, you know, the the numbers suggest you just, if you're 0-3, you yeah, simply you know. can't do it. So yep. you're right. No, it's crucial for them. But, yeah, I, I'm I'm going the Hawks. Okay. All right. Uh, last game of round three, and it is Fremantle up against your Saints in Perth, Optus Stadium. Uh, last game of the round Five twenty Eastern Seaboard time and three twenty local time. Um, you take us away on this one. Gee, Ingham's gluten-free chicken schnitzels have been recalled. They've got gluten in them. That's a health warning for all you gluten nuts out there. Where the hell did that come from? I just read it off a ticker tape. 
Oh, they've got a ticker tape machine. Yeah. No TVs with the news, but we've got a ticker yeah. tape. I'd be more worried about the chicken than the gluten in an Ingham's chicken stencil, but anyhow. Can we do a preview of the game? <laughs> Look, Fremantle must be kicking themselves, honestly. Um, what an opportunity. First of all, Gold Coast were kicking themselves out of the game. Mm. Secondly, they really have enough mature bodies to have got over the line, and they blew the game against the Gold Coast. Mm. They will come back and in front of their home crowd. Remember last year how they like getting back home and oh yeah, no but, flat track you know, boys, absolutely. You know they're they're like the bloke who's been at gym for three months only and can't move himself away from looking at himself in the mirror. They love themselves, mm. Frio at home. They just can't get enough of themselves. If they were a lollipop or an icy pole, they'd lick themselves to the stick. Yeah. Well, that self love mm. will paper over the fact that they are, they are shonky wonky and not to be trusted. Yeah, so you don't think the Saints are playing well enough to take it to them? I've, look, I haven't seen the teams, but I'm very fearful that Rowan Marshall, who played very well last week, mm. might not be available with a calf uh-huh. strain. And that puts Lewis Pierce back in. And how they pick Pierce before Marshall in game one is astounding. But let me tell you, that'll be enough uh, to cause St Kilda to really lose it from the centre bounds. Now, I just think Fremantle come over the top of St Kilda and win it. Yeah, no, I agree. Freo for me. All right, that is uh, previews with Punch Done and Dusted. Let's bring it home. On Footyology, the final word. All right, you go first, Finey. Well, uh, Nathan Buckley feels that it's too much of a job for one man that is reviewing reportable incidents for the... Max Review, it's not the Max Review officer, I believe, is now roughly what the term is. Max Review officer, yeah. It's too much for one man. I think it's only too much for one man if Collingwood's involved. And I reckon this week, if there's no Collingwood player cited, there'll be no controversy courted. So it's only been a Collingwood controversy, you think? Well, it just happens to be. It's not because it's Collingwood. It just happens to be one club feels that it's too much for one man. And I think if that club's not involved this week, then we won't have that same issue arise. All right. No, fair enough. Maybe okay. it's too big a job because Mason Cox is almost seven foot tall. Ah, very good. Uh, my final word is, now we've touched on this a couple of times, so we talked about the front bar and that lovely segment with Ross Clendini and Kevin Morris, and we just talked about uh, Hawthorne North Melbourne, clash of the old 70s rivals. And I just started thinking about the mid 70s again and um, the final story, that magnificent series of documentaries Pete Dixon did on old grand finals, um, one of which was 75, uh, North's first premiership. In fact, that was the first one, I think. But just such a, they were so great, those docos, and Pete now is concentrating on cricket. Um, and uh, I'm just reading between the lines, you know, I got the feeling that. A lot of filmmaking types that work with the AFL, I think, end up a bit disillusioned about the sort of lack of support. And the lack of support of TV networks too. Uh, if you wonder where I'm going with this, I think that front bar segment last night um, was a ripper. And I think the front bar works because there's this obvious love of the game that shines through. And we used to see it 30 years ago with the Could Have Been Champions. I think that's what people are relating to. I think there is a far bigger market for football nostalgia 
than uh, either the AFL or TV station executives realise, and I wish they'd bloody wake up. Because so contact Connolly and Fine, football nostalgists. We can bring your favourite. No. Well, no, we could. We could do a great TV show about it, Fine. Unfortunately, we're not FM radio personalities, comedians, or former players, so we haven't got a prayer. But uh, I think there's a big market for it, and I suspect a lot of people listening to this show agree. All right, that's it for this week. Uh, good luck for your side this weekend. Don't forget to uh, visit footyology.com.au for all the latest previews, reviews, analysis. Mark Fine, now an integral part of our website as well, writing Finey's Final Siren every Monday morning. A bit earlier next week. Thanks, my uh, Finey. Um, <laughs> got the whack in there. Uh, don't forget our Sunday evening podcast, wrapping up round three in full detail. And uh, thanks for your company once again. I did mention nostalgia and Hawthorne, North Melbourne, and that great rivalry of the seventies. Finey, I'm not. You know what? An Andrews Burger goes great with nostalgia. Of course it does. It's very. It's got that seventies flavour about it. It's got. Although it's prepared fresh today. That's right. It's got the right retro feel. All right. I think I know. I think people can work out what song we're going to close out the show with. It's this. I've never in the seventies.